Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. <laughs> With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. I'm f***ing geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What's up and welcome in Friday edition of the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, a fun and good episode, I believe, on tap for you today. Tom Burns, SiriusXM NBA Radio, is going to be with us momentarily. We're going to discuss regression today, regression. And so uh, there's about uh, three or four teams I want to discuss uh, that are giving us some indicators, and maybe those indicators are already happening, or maybe it's in their statistical profile, uh, that regression is on the way for this team. And we tie it in from a betting sense, right, that from a betting perspective, we should look for opportunities to bet against these teams in the market if the market hasn't really come around to the fact that maybe they're being slightly overvalued, right? So I want to talk about these three teams, how we can attack them going forward. And I actually, this is coming out a little bit late on Friday because a couple of these teams are in action today, actually, right? So I wanted to see how those contests would do today so we could tie in that sample size with some of the conversations we're going to have around them. And we'll also tie in, you know, just to give you an example, too, because we're not always negative. You know, regression is one thing, but there's also, uh, man, let me look this up, dude. It's funny. I write for a living, but uh, if I were to tell you my vocabulary, oh, boy, I got nothing. The antonym for regression. What is the antonym for regression, I guess, for development? I, I don't know. Uh, but the case point, the Indiana Pacers. Uh, the Indiana Pacers are kind of the opposite, right? The Indiana Pacers are showing us signs of growth. I wanted to see how they did today, too, because we can tie that into our theory here. So let's talk about the teams that are showing some signs of regression. And at the top of the list, we're going to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies because it's a team that I've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, it is a team that has bothered me. Uh, very much so in terms of their statistical profile and yet the success that they are having on the season, right? Like that, like this just doesn't compute. Like something has to give. And uh, the issues are continuing today. Now, we should note that today, again, during these games, they did suffer a, a, a very, very sad injury. John Moran had to be helped off the court today uh, because he injured his left knee. 
So we're going to have to keep an eye on that moving forward, of course, big picture. And you don't want that to happen either because John Morant's a freaking fun player. Uh, John Morant's an, an incredible player uh, who is a tremendous watch on a night-to-night basis. So that being said, when you look at this Memphis Grizzlies team, especially if John Morant is not going to be available going forward, the team from a defensive standpoint, the way that they were playing basketball is just untenable. From a long-term standpoint, the way that they have been playing is not something that is sustainable as you move deeper and deeper into the season. And it's something that we've talked about, right, uh, which is um, which is cleaning the glasses win differential metric, which, again, is difference between number of games team is one and what would be expected based on their efficiency differential. Memphis leads the way with three more wins than they should have given their efficiency output. Negative uh, 5.6 in terms of the net rating, a defensive efficiency uh, that is one of the worst in the NBA at 29th in the NBA in terms of what they're giving up per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. Uh, actually, 30th, excuse me, 116.6 points per 100 possessions, dead last in the NBA. And while their offense has been solid, you can't get away with playing historically awful defense. And that has been the case here for the Memphis Grizzlies. So as we talk about regression, right, today against uh, the Atlanta Hawks, their defense, and again, tying this back to the Morant injury, if he's not going to be out there because that offense is going to fall off without him, with his, without his ability to create, today it was not good on the defensive end for the Memphis Grizzlies. Defensive rating today against the Atlanta Hawks of 128.4. Gave up over 130 points to the Atlanta Hawks in that loss. So this is something now as you move forward with Memphis, who coming into today, right, in the month of November, had not been playing spectacular basketball, had gone through a stretch where they covered three out of four, took another shot against them with the Utah Jazz. They won that game outright. Uh, But overall in this month, and especially if you go back to uh, their matchup with Charlotte, one of the first times, and actually we'll go back to the matchup that I bet against them, that really terrible beat in Minnesota Timberwolves game, right? But if you go back uh, to that matchup, we're talking about a total of nine games. They have four covers, right? So like this is not a team that has been covering numbers at a really high rate. And if John Morant's not going to be out there, that's going to be a really big problem for them. But just watching them defensively, an untenable situation for Memphis, and I would expect to continue, regardless of John Morant's status, of this team to start to kind of slip down the standings as they have had three more wins or so than they really likely should at this point of the season. So Memphis is, is an example that I've talked about before, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But I do want to spend a time on one team that I wrote about in Points Spread Weekly last week. If you write, if you read any of the work in Points Spread Weekly, um, you may you know what I'm going to go to here. But they just got done with a game against the Washington, excuse me, against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that's the Washington Wizards. So the Washington Wizards in this game were a seven and a half point favorite. They ultimately win this game by just two, so they do not cover in this contest. So while they were one and four straight up going into today and against the spread in their last five games, they snapped that little bit of a stretch, but. They are now 1-5 against the spread in their last six games. I've been on them against them a couple of times during this slump. Not enough. Uh, but this is something that now for me, as we move forward, the Washington Wizards are on the list of teams that are going to start to fall down the standings and teams that in overvalued spots like this one against Oklahoma City are going to be very much worth playing against as we move forward. So the indicators, right? The indicators for Washington as to what we're looking at. If you didn't read the Points Per Weekly article, and if you've read any of the work in terms of the daily articles, maybe you'll recollect where I'm going to go to here with the Washington Wizards. But let's start with their offense. And I think it's it's a really obvious flaw with the Washington Wizards. Uh, but their shooting is just not good. Their shooting is one of the worst in the NBA in terms of three-point percentage as a team. And that just cannot happen 
in today's day and age. 32.2% heading into Friday night's contest with the Oklahoma City Thunder in terms of three-point shooting as a team, right? If you look at their best three-point shooters, we're talking about Spencer Dinbiddy, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and a drop-off after that. This is something that is not going to get fixed as the season goes along. Their team is their team. I guess maybe Davis Bertans comes along a little bit stronger. He hasn't been shooting the ball well, but Davis Bertans increasing his three-point percentage is not going to drag this team right from 28th in terms of three-point shooting all the way up to like 15th, 16th, 17th, or it's going to be a 15th or 14th or 13th, right? So three-point shooting is going to be an issue for the Washington Wizards. And if you look in terms of their efficiency metric offensively, you're talking about now a team that ranks 23rd in offensive efficiency at 106 points per 100 possessions. So that is the first indicator that the Wizards are not as good as their record indicates. We've started to see the slide in the standings in terms of their last few games, right? Again, two and four after this win Friday night over the Oklahoma City Thunder and one and five against the spread in their last six games. So mark down Washington as a team to kind of play against here as you move forward into the season, especially if they're going to be laying numbers like they were here Friday night against the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Seven and a half on the road against an OKC team that, by the way, now is 11-2 and two against the spread in the month of November. 11-2 and two against the spread. They've been absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. They're a fun team to watch. They're young. They got a lot. They have a lot of good young talent, man. In three years, it's going to be a legitimately competitive team. It's going to be a lot of fun to take in what the development of the, excuse me, the Oklahoma City Thunder is, but I digress. So the Washington Wizards, a team that definitely have the indicators of a squad that is going to start to fall back down to the pack, right? So we've talked about Memphis. We talked about Washington. Let's talk about another team that maybe, just maybe, could be showing a couple of signs of slippage, okay? And that would be the Chicago Bulls. So Chicago did not play uh, tonight. Chicago is a pretty fast... Oh, no, no, excuse me, excuse me. Yes, they did. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm looking at my notes all wrong. Uh, and I'm looking at the screen in front of me. Yeah, that was a massive brain fart. So Chicago did play tonight. Took care of the Oklahoma City, or excuse me, the Orlando Magic. Uh, blew about offensive rating tonight of 124.5. They were absolutely fantastic on that end of the floor. Uh, blew out a really bad uh, uh, Orlando Magic team, right? But let's talk about the games that they were playing coming into this. because And this is more of a maybe we're seeing signs, right? I think what we're seeing with Washington is actionable. That's why I've bet against them a couple of times uh, in the last few games. Because I think what I'm seeing with Washington, there are plenty of signs that are telling me that the Washington Wizards are due for some regression here, and I am going to play against that. As far as the Chicago Bulls go, I, you know, I'm not entirely sure that is the case. But I think this is something worth monitoring as we move forward here with Chicago. So before tonight, uh, Chicago had lost that game to the Houston uh, Rockets. A really bad loss. Ended up losing that one 118-113. to 113. Obviously didn't cover as an 8.5 point favorite in that game. The game prior to that, right, was a pretty poor spot. They took on the New York Knicks uh, the night before, but then had gotten just dump trucked by the Indiana Pacers. That was on the 22nd earlier this week. Um, 109 to 77. If you read the article, uh, we were on the Indiana Pacers in that game, but wasn't expecting that in any way, shape, or form. Was not expecting the Indiana Pacers to absolutely demolish the Chicago Bulls. But one of the worrisome parts, and why I think this is worth monitoring as we move forward, is the fact that the Chicago Bulls, in terms of that five-game stretch where they lose to Portland, win games against Denver and New York, and then lose back-to-back games to the Pacers and the Rockets, or that they went 2-3 and three, straight up and against the spread in those five games. Right? This, again, five games sample size. Not anything worth writing home about, which is why I want to start to monitor this as we move forward. But, very quietly, their defensive rating over those five games is 
Why, to me, that matters is because when you looked at the Chicago Bulls as a team, like on paper, coming into this season, the thing they projected to be was a very poor defensive team, but a really solid offensive team. But through the early part of the season, they have been a very solid offensive team and a very solid defensive team, right? If you look at the metrics uh, as of today, again, Friday night, Chicago Bulls, uh, top well half, top well into the top half of the league, right? Ninth in offensive efficiency, sixth in defensive efficiency. So, Maybe this is just a five-game blip on the radar, and they just weren't playing some pretty good basketball or some pretty poor basketball, and they ran into a couple of situations that were relatively tough. And, by the way, they're starting to get healthy, right? Nikola Vucevic is back. Kobe White is back. So now this is going to be interesting as we start to move forward with this team. Now that they're fully whole, maybe the flaws start to play out here. But when the weakness that I had perceived of the team starts to show up like it did with Washington, I'm intrigued. Now, with Washington, it was more than just five games, right? Like, we were through 13 games, and they were still winning, but those weaknesses were there. You're like, okay, this is going to catch up with them. Chicago's not the case. It's just been five games. It's only a two and three stretch and a really bad loss to Houston. So you wonder now as you move forward, just write this down. As we look at Chicago moving forward, that potentially, as we kind of track them and some of the numbers that they're going to be laying as a really popular team, that maybe, just maybe, we're going to talk about a team that is kind of due for some regression here and may be worth playing against as we move forward into the season. Uh, with that, really quickly, just want to note too, because um, you know one of the teams that I've kind of circled and harped on, again, if you've been watching or, or writing, if you've been watching The Edge or um, checking out The Edge uh, via podcast or if you've been checking out the written work uh, as well, the team that I've kind of been writing a couple of times here over the last few days, uh, not luckily, that game against the Los Angeles Lakers, which the market got a little overzealous, um, but the Indiana Pacers. So the Indiana Pacers tonight, make sure this game is final. Yeah, take care of business in a big way. 114-97, to 97, um, just blow out the Toronto Raptors, which, by the way, the Raptors' defense is atrocious. It's gotten really bad. Uh, but regardless, move on from there. I digress. Uh, the Pacers are a team that is getting healthy, folks, and they're improving. We're talking about the 8th best defensive rating in November coming into tonight. They do another solid job against the Toronto Raptors. This is a team that is on the come. This is a team that is finally together. They have a really good head coach in Rick Carlisle. They are favored to miss the playoffs at minus 280, right? DraftKings still offers that. So if you're in a jurisdiction with DraftKings, I would say that that is very much worth playing. And I wrote about this in Points Read Weekly in terms of Indiana making the postseason. I think we're starting to finally see this team become whole. And remember, T.J. Warren still hasn't even played yet, right? I think there was a report the other day that said he's out of the walking boots. That's going to be positive for them as we move forward. But regardless, as Indiana gets healthier and they continue to win games, have them circled because this is a team that is totally worth playing on, I believe, as we move forward into the season. Uh, Without further ado then, uh, enough hearing just me. Let's talk to Tom Byrne. He's going to join us, SiriusXM NBA Radio. We'll talk about him with uh, some regressing teams like we just discussed. And we'll also have a conversation about the New York Knicks and you delusional Knicks fans. Man, sometimes, I mean, we just got to wake up a little bit, have a little bit of realistic expectation. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, only on the VSIN Podcast Network. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is 
finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's welcome in our next guest uh, on the pod for this week. Second episode of the week, too, by the way. First week, we're doing two of these things on Mondays and on Fridays. Tom Burns, Sirius XM, NBA Radio, and, of course, uh, Mad Dog Radio. What's up, bud? How you doing? Doing well, JVT. Always a pleasure to be on. Thanksgiving was fun. What are your, where are you at in terms of, like, best Thanksgiving foods? I'm not a huge Thanksgiving food guy, to be honest with you, but I'll take a sweet potato with the brown sugar and the marshmallows yeah. melted in and the pecans. It's almost like a dessert. So I'll go that route. Look, I'd love the meal once a year, but I'm not the guy who's going to wake up one Friday and pine for the leftovers. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yeah, my wife's already dug into the leftovers. <laughs> and, and last night she actually, for the first time, had uh, that sweet potato, you know, the sweet potato, marshmallows, all that good stuff that you're talking about. She had never had it before last night. Uh, she was amazed Oof. about how delicious it was. Oh, yeah, you got to go there. I know it's terrible for you, but it's Thanksgiving. You're allowed to cheat. 
it's terrible for you as is uh, sweating out football, which was, um, you know, it, it was, it was great to be with the family, but I was also just sitting there sweating out contest picks and uh, <laughs> being somewhat cantankerous <laughs> by the end of the night, but this is a basketball podcast, not a football podcast. So let's dive into a couple of things NBA wise, uh, as you have given us a couple of days or a couple of minutes here on this Friday. So first off, I actually wanted to start with uh, something up I saw on Twitter and get your thoughts on, because um, I don't know if you want to call me, I have been dubbed a Knicks hater, and I don't think that is fair because I just think I am a, a realist when it comes to the New York Knicks, but fans are really not. So you tweeted out a fake trade, uh, the Knicks receiving Ben Simmons, the Sixers receiving Julius Randle, Kemba Walker, and two first-round picks, uh, The uh, what is it, the Charlotte and the Knicks picks. That was from Brian Geltseiler, who gave you the idea for this trade. The, right. uh, you, your question was, who says no? And 73.8% of your voters pick the Knicks and the responses were <laughs> hilarious. Just very, oh, yeah. very, why would the Knicks do this? And I got to say, why wouldn't the Knicks do that move? Right. Right. A hundred percent. You know, Knicks fans crack me up. Listen, I'm used to it. You're out of Vegas. Maybe you're not. I grew up 15 minutes in Trenton. You know, people don't realize how close Philadelphia and New York are. It's amazing. And the Knicks fan has been delusional forever. I felt it was hilarious. The reaction, because there were some folks acting like it was, completely one-sided in favor of New York. If anything, you got to lean toward the, the Philadelphia 76ers saying no. I mean, the Knicks fan now loves Julius Randle. I get it. Let's be fair about Randle. I like Randle. I mean, I thought he should have been the fourth pick in that draft out of Kentucky. It was unfortunate he broke his leg day one, and he was kind of forgotten about almost until last year. But he's been brutal this year. Absolutely brutal. Kemba Walker hasn't been Kemba Walker for some time. So I think this is completely fair. But considering where Philadelphia is in this process, I know Dow Morey thinks that Ben Simmons is going to play, and there's now a report that maybe he's going broke. <laughs> I don't know if I'm buying that, which will force him back. I've told you this from the get-go, JVT. I don't think he's got the guts to play in front of the Philadelphia fans. I really don't. So I don't expect him to play. So I don't expect Dame Lillard to be available. Bradley Beal certainly not going to be available with the way the Wizards are playing. At some point, I think you're going to have to, you know, probably take 80 cents on the dollar. And that's what this probably is if you're Philadelphia. Now, you would have a little, you know, bit of a physical front line that could be advantageous in certain matchups, no doubt about it, with Randall and Embiid. And Kemba Walker, in theory, would complement Embiid pretty well because he could still shoot it. That's one thing you could still do. And plus, you'd still get some assets to go out and improve your team with with the Charlotte first-round pick and the Knicks first-round pick. So I think that's why Philadelphia would do it. They could still save a little face. You know, a lot of it depends on what else is going to be offered right before that deadline. Because I do believe Dow Morey, he'll never admit it for obvious reasons because he wants to keep as much leverage as he can. But he's going to get this done before February because ownership's going to lean on him to do so. And so that's why this is going to be done. And this one I think is interesting because New York's starting lineup has been bad. Their second unit has been better. It might be time to unleash the kids. And who better to do it with than Ben Simmons, who's being slept on right now. Look, he looks bad. I get it. But you're talking about a 25-year-old who won rookie of the year, made an all-star team every single year, and also made an all-NBA squad. So to act like this is some sort of horrific trade for New York just goes to show how delusional Nick fans truly are. Yeah, no, I agree. And look, I mean, think about it from the perspective of just personnel around Ben Simmons. Like, if you put Ben Simmons around a whole bunch of shooters like the Knicks are going to, right, theoretically, right. like, that actually kind of works pretty well. And he's an all-defense type of dude. Like, I when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's actually a pretty good deal. I mean, the, the overwhelming Knicks fan, like, this is terrible. Why would we do it? <laughs> you got to realize where your team's at. And also, and this is something where, you know, I was talking about this, uh, you know, coming into the season, you and I discussed it on the preseason pod when I had you on. It was why I have yeah. under on the Knicks. 
Shocking that a dude had a career high in like six different statistical categories and has regressed immensely in Julius Randle, right? Like, right. It, who could have right. seen this coming? So, it, look, the Knicks are an interesting team. Right now, uh, they are kind of sliding a little bit. They were at the top of the board statistically in a lot of categories at the beginning of the season, right? Net rating, offensive, defensive efficiency, but now uh, continue to take a little bit of a step backwards here. And I, yep. I think it's currently constructed, Tom. Like, if you're looking at them going forward, you know, they haven't covered consecutive games since October. Uh, they're going to be this 500 team. But still, I think this this overwhelming, I shouldn't call it overwhelming anymore because it's not as strong anymore. But this support for them on a night-to-night basis, I think, is still going to be there until it really starts to blow up in people's faces, maybe by the time we get to you know, February. Yeah, I can see that. To your point, it was inevitable, a little regression back to the mean negatively. I've been fading them at times, but I'll also follow them at the right time. It all depends on what my numbers are showing me. I think the last time I took them was a brutal loss. It was the Chicago game. I was getting five and a half. They ended up losing by six. They were up in that second half. But to your point, I mean, they're going to have to make some lineup changes. You know, Tibbs, he likes to play his starters, and he likes to play them into the ground. We all know that. It's probably discussed too often. But I think at this point, if you're Tom Thibodeau, you got to get some of these other guys some minutes. I don't know that Obi Toppin's going to be a great NBA player, but – Let's let Obi Toppin get some minutes pretty consistently and see what you have there. So I think you're going to have to look at this Nick team critically if you're in that front office and say, you know what? We had a great run last year relative to expectation, but we're still, you know, in theory, a little bereft of talent in certain spots. Let me see what I can get here on the trade market. I would expect New York to be active in February. I really would. It's going to be, and it always is, it's the NBA. It's going to be a fascinating trade deadline. Everybody wants to talk about Ben Simmons, and that's where it starts. I get that. That's not where it ends. They're going to be a bunch of teams that are looking to make improvements or maybe sell off. And I think the Knicks are going to be amongst them. I don't think they're going to completely blow it up, nor should they. But they should try to go with the youth movement here. Yep, I would completely agree because there's some intriguing youth talent and you can make moves like we just talked about with Simmons to, to make your core even stronger as you move into the next few years. And and by the yep. way, too, like, you know, if it's a young core that's some attractive talent, maybe you're finally the free agent destination that people keep thinking you are almost every single season, right? If there's actually right, a good right. young core that you're building around. So I would agree with that. So the, the theme of this podcast, it's not just, you know, let's let's make fun of the Knicks, although that is a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's, it's regression for today, Tom. So like there's a couple of teams I wanted to throw at you and get your thoughts because sure. I think they're either due for some regression in a very big way or the regression that I've kind of projected has hit them uh, finally. And one of the teams is actually going to be in action tonight on Friday, and that would be the Washington Wizards. So yeah. Washington, yeah, Washington's been a really good story. They've been absolutely fantastic, as we know. Uh, they did the right thing in terms of getting rid of Russell Westbrook and getting a whole bunch of like B minus C plus players and have filled out that, that roster relatively nicely. But there's two things that I kept harping on as they were winning games that really bothered me. One, they can't shoot worth a damn. They are a terrible three-point shooting team. Their best three-point shooter is Spencer Dinwiddie. The next best guy after that is Contavious Caldwell Pope. And statistically, he hasn't really been shooting that well. Maybe he'll do better because KCP throughout his career has been a solid about 37% three-point shooter. But that's going to bother them. And their rim defense, statistically, while they don't give up a lot of shots at the rim, their bottom half of the league, well into the bottom half in terms of shooting allowed within four feet of the basket, and those are two things, I think, in this league that you cannot struggle on. And sure enough, they're one and four in the last five games. And that win, by the way, they were down by 10 points with less than five minutes to go against Miami Heat. You could tell I had the Heat in that game because I, I, I don't remember what happened. Uh, but regardless, the Wizards, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I told Matt Ewans, my co-host this last week, where I think we're going to start to see them slide down the standings here over the next week. And that has come yeah. to fruition. And I think that this is something where are they going to be terrible? No. But is this more like a six, seven, eight seed in the Eastern Conference? I think absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. Listen, when I handicap, I do so with my players-based model because it's the NBA and the rosters 
depend on which night it is, right? Tuesday, you might have a whole different team than you do Thursday. It's kind of wild like that. But that doesn't mean you don't take a look at some of these team, team statistics part of me. And you and I are fine. They're cleaning the glass. I'm looking at some of the numbers as you speak. All right, they're 11-7. and seven. They've been pretty good defensively. Give them some credit. They're number six defensively, 105.2, when you scrape away the garbage time. But 23rd offensively. And if you look at the last two weeks, they've dropped four or seven. You know, offensively, they're down to 26th. And defensively, they're down to 14th. And that's probably who they are defensively. I think they're going to be closer to a middle-of-the-pack team defensively. You know, I don't know what was going on there the first couple of weeks, but they were tremendous defensively. But they don't have the personnel to sustain that success. And to your point, if you look at the spread differential over the last two weeks, they're a minus 6.3. So you're 100% right. The Wizards are always destined to come back down to earth if they go on like a three, four-game winning streak. You can't expect that to be the case moving forward. And I do like what they did in the offseason. You mentioned this in fairness. Tommy Shepard deserves some credit. I mean, Russell Westbrook, was not the guy to lead them into the future on that contract. We all knew it. And they went out there and improved their club. So I I love what they did in that respect. But when they start to struggle a little bit, and they will, let's not start to turn this narrative around now and start killing Tommy Shepard. Boy, what a great start. Now they're a sieve. Well, wait a minute. They should have never got off to that hot start in the first place. They're going to end up being somewhere around 500. And in fact, if I had to bet one way or the other, I think there's probably a better chance they finish below 500 than above 500. Yep, I would completely agree with that. Now, I think what's an interesting part about this team uh, from one aspect, and it's it's early, right? Award season is great, and you get all these odds up. I, I'll ask you this. Are you surprised? I don't know if you've checked this at all. The massive gap between Tyler Hero and Montrez Harrell for sixth man of the year. Basketball reference had Montrez Harrell as like the fifth leading candidate for MVP at one point for some ridiculous wow. reason. But if you look at the number, Tyler Hero, odds on favor, Tom at minus 140, Montrez Harrell 15 to 1. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, only on the VSIN Podcast Network. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. I don't know what it is about Tyler Hero, but people love Tyler Hero. I remember last year when we came into the season, ESPN had him like the 50th best player in the world. I almost lost my mind on air. I mean, that was laughable. But I will say this. I mean, Tyler Hero is taking a leap forward. He took a huge leap back last year. Now he's taking another leap forward. I do like Montrez Harrell, to your point. Listen, I don't know if I trust Harrell in big spots late in the game because he's not a rim protector at all. I don't love him defensively. But Montrez Harrell's been undervalued for some time. In fact, my model likes him an awful lot. I think he impacts winning much more positively than people think. And so I'm with you. Now, listen, I'll be honest. I can't play everything. So I play the spread market every single night. I'm handicapping and snatching numbers, you know, more than 24 hours ahead of time, breaking it down in that way. I love doing the season win totals, although I told you I'm worried about my win totals this year, my gracious. Yeah. But I don't get too into that, you know, sixth man and coach of the year stuff. Uh, but I'm not surprised for whatever reason, and maybe the odds makers fall into this category. Tyler Hero has become a guy who's incredibly overrated, generally speaking. I don't know why that is. And I like him. His game, you know, it has a current feel to it. By that, I mean, you know, he could handle and he could shoot and he could space the floor. If you could handle, shoot, space the floor as a guard in our league, guys are going to love you. Uh, but let's calm down a little bit about Hero. I think his game doesn't really match his name value right now, if you know what I mean. His brand is bigger than it deserves to be. And we were talking about Washington regressing back to the mean negatively. I would expect that from Tyler Hero on an individual. And maybe I'll be wrong. won't be the first time. But I would expect that from Tyler Hero on an individual level the rest of the way. Yeah, it's just pretty fascinating from an implied probability standpoint. Uh, Tyler Hero, according to the odds, 58.3% chance to win. Montreal Sherrill, 6.7%. So that's a, that's a really big Yeah, that tells me right there there's value on Harrell, 100%. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. Yep. All right, two more teams to throw at you before we get out of here again. The theme here today is regression. Some teams are going to start to come back to the pack here. Uh, so one of the teams that has absolutely irritated me beyond belief because I think they are getting away with murder. And if, you know, you, you talk <laughs> about cleaning the glass, we both like this site. They have a great, uh, they have a great statistic, win differential, difference between yep. the number of games the team has won and what would be expected based on their efficiency differential. The leader in the pack, 
with three wins above uh, expectation, the Memphis Grizzlies. They are nine and nine right now, yeah. but they are the worst defense in the NBA by a mile at this point. Uh, they cannot stop a nosebleed. And, it, you know, a lot of it has to do with their bench if you look at some of the numbers. But it's ridiculous how bad they are, Tom, defensively. And yep. they have some terrible performances. Offensive rating of 130 the other night against Toronto. They got cooked for 1.5 points per possession by Minnesota like three or four games ago. I just – Memphis is a team that they should come plummeting back down to earth at yes. some point. Oh, I completely agree. Again, so I do the player-based model thing, and I use all the – you know, metrics that are respected nowadays, LeBron, Darko, uh, box plus minus gold school there. I still like it. You know, drip is a new one. I use, I, I get into all these player-based models, but it doesn't mean I just ignore team-based models. And one thing I've done is using the cleaning the glass numbers. I take their net rating and I combine it with an adjusted four factors because the old school, you know, Oliver four factors are outdated. You know, the shooting should be worth at least 71% at this point. So long story short, I have a team model that I like looking at as well to give you a little feel for which team is doing what. Well, to that point, Memphis is a minus 5.22 in this model. So for context, the only teams worse are Oklahoma City, Houston, the Pelicans, the Magic, and the Pistons, to your point. So I'm with you 100%. Now, they're 9-9, nine and nine, whereas every other team on that list has like 16 losses. With the exception of Oklahoma City, I think they're six and twelve. But you get the idea. I'm with you. I don't love this Memphis team. I didn't love them coming in. I still don't like the trade they made in the offseason. Trading Valentunas. Valentunas, boy, the Pelicans. We don't even need to get into them. They're just a complete and absolute mess. And Zion looks like he's eating a dozen donuts every morning. But getting off that, I didn't love that trade for Memphis. I'd much prefer Valentunas over Adams. I'm not saying that's where all their problems stem from. Uh, but I don't love this Memphis team either. I like watching John Moran. He's a fun watch. But Memphis, to your point, right now, I'm pretty confident telling you they're going to finish under 500 and have a hard time making the postseason. Yeah, but yeah, they're definitely a play a team. It'll be pretty interesting because uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, my my dark horse has finally started to catch some steam and starting to get a little bit better. Uh, but Memphis, it, it's it's bothered me how, how well, they, in terms of the record, how well they have been, uh, despite the fact having one of the worst defenses in the NBA. All right, last yep. team to throw at you. And this is one more of, we're starting to see a couple cracks in the armor, but they're fully healthy once again outside of one key player. But I, I'm wondering if maybe this is a sign of things to come. But Chicago Bulls last five games, defensive rating of 111.8. Uh, they're two and three straight up and against the spread. They lost to the Rockets, which is not a good loss in any way whatsoever. And and the thing with Chicago is I think offensively what they're doing is perfectly sustainable, right? Like cleaning the glass has them at 12th in offensive rating right now. I I think we expected that of them. And with Kobe White back, Nikola Vucevic back from COVID protocol, they'll probably still be a top half of the league team offensively. But I think one of the biggest surprises has been their defense. And you're starting to finally see some issues there. Is this something where now we finally start to see Chicago take a small step of regression toward the mean? Yeah, I think so. To your point, that defense was borderline top 10 for a long time. Now they're a bottom third defense all of a sudden. I've been fading them quite a bit. I mentioned I faded them in the New York game that burnt me. I had Houston the other night, though. Obviously, I won that one easily. And I'm going to fade them again tonight. I'll take Orlando Magic and the points, even if Cole Anthony's not playing. It looks like, you know, who knows? Terrence Ross probably will play. But the point is, this is more a fade Chicago than anything else. I just don't know if they're good enough to be giving up nine and a half points the market's up to now. So I'm with you there. Look, they're a great story. The NBA is a better place when Chicago's good, when New York's good. Those fans deserve better because they're consistently amongst the best in the league in terms of their fans putting butts in the seats. And the product consistently stinks. They got off to a great start. I love bringing in Caruso. He's looked good for them. The Rosen, Zach Levine duo has had success. 
And in fairness to them, it did hurt they didn't have Vucevic. You know, say what you want about Vucevic. He's not a great defender, but he's, he's very, very good offensively. And so I expect them to be good offensively, but they're going to give up a ton of points on a nightly basis. Right now, they're playing great ball, winning, what, 63% of their games. That number is going to dip. They're a playoff team. They're a playoff team. But that number is going to dip. Yes, that, that goes right with our theme. I'm with there. They're going to yeah. regress negatively back to the mean a little bit, and I think they're a good team to fade here, depending on the spots for the next couple of weeks until the market adjusts. Yeah, and some of these ways, I mean, they've been winning through attrition. It's been very impressive. But uh, the, like that West Coast trip, it was a lot more successful than I thought it was going to be for them. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Winning three of those yeah. games and and like they run into Denver, like Denver's an absolute mess with their injuries. But oh, yeah. yeah it, it's been a uh, it's been a pretty good run here for Chicago. But we're going to start to see the real Chicago Bulls here in the next couple of that, that Pacers loss. I was on Indiana, but holy crap, I was not expecting that. They got destroyed by the Pacers the other day. Uh, all right. Tom Byrne at one Tom Byrne uh, up on Twitter. Tom, appreciate it on a Friday right after Thanksgiving. Any other nuggets? you want to leave for the listeners uh, betting wise anything that you've uh, caught that the market hasn't anything you want to leave as a talking book before we get you out of here it's a great question not necessarily just be careful you know you always got to catch these lineups you know one thing you want to do is make sure you're getting alerts sent to your phone although i noticed twitter no longer allows sound i guess for these alerts but which is driving me crazy you always want to know who's playing they'll have about 40 seconds to maybe get your bet in but even still you just got to be careful because with COVID, I mean, you're seeing it, JVT. Look at the Philadelphia 76ers in my backyard. For a lot of these games, they're missing over 80% of their payroll. I mean, it's just absurd. You mentioned Denver and their injury issues. Uh, Vucevic has been out. We talked about Chicago. I, I just, I, you know, I get it. People get annoyed with the NBA because of the injuries. But at the same time, if you're willing to put in the work, it actually could become an advantageous position to be in from a better standpoint. Because, again, if you're willing to put in that work, now you can take advantage of this injury news properly. I don't think a lot of people consider that. And I also don't buy at the same time that you can't snatch numbers early. You could certainly still – I love handicapping early, even getting my handicapping in before the numbers come out. That's why I like, for example, last night Oklahoma City comes out plus 10. I took that right away. That's way too high. I know the Thunder stink, but you can't be giving them 10 points. Mark's down to 7.5 last I saw it. But you do have to put in the work as far as the injuries are concerned. Anyway, that's, you know, I'll get off my soapbox. That's all I'll say about that. Oh, you're right. Thunder, <laughs> by the way, 10-2 uh, and two against the spread this month. So they have been uh, yeah. very, very undervalued by the betting market. Yeah, uh, I've been right, on man. quite a bit. I took, the un- I took the under on the season win total, though. So that's not looking great. But well, they have gotten my money back for me and more because I'm hitting them pretty often here during the season. Yep, absolutely. All right, Tom, good to talk to you, man. Thank you again for the time. All right, JVT, anytime. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.